This episode of Songwriter Stories is sponsored by Piano Wars. Piano Wars offers unique, high-energy entertainment featuring dueling pianos, sing-along, audience participation, and dance music. Find out more at pianowars.com. Today on Songwriter Stories, we deconstruct the Beatles' song, Let It Be, which peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and Contemporary Single Charts and went to number one in eight other countries. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let It Be, the premiere single from the Beatles album of the same name, was released on March 6, 1970. More than 50 years on, the song remains a modern pop standard. Writing a tune with that much staying power is no small feat. It would be easy to presume that a divine hand guided the songwriter's fingers, voice, and pen. But chalking up this achievement to a few moments of heavenly inspiration would be denying credit to the songwriter's experience, musical instincts, and craftsmanship. One, two, three, five! Sure, the song was hitched to the star vehicle of one of the best-selling music acts of all time, the Beatles, and sung by one of the most beloved voices in pop music history, that of Sir Paul McCartney. And that spectacular genealogy didn't exactly stunt its growth. But beyond the song's royal pedigree, it was a series of creative judgment calls that ultimately helped it resonate with a universal appeal. As we eagerly await director Peter Jackson's Get Back, the new documentary filmed at the time of Let It Be recording sessions, let's look back at a few of the key decisions about lyrics, music, instrumentation, and arrangement which culminated in the creation of a classic. Composer Per their business partnership, the songwriting was credited to Lennon-McCartney, the writing team that helped the Beatles sell millions of records worldwide. But in an interview with author David Sheff, Lennon effectively disowned the song, confiding that it was composed solely by McCartney. Let's start by examining the lyric. Title. McCartney's simple, seven-letter title, Let It Be, is imbued with multiple, subtly different connotations. That interpretive flexibility deserves a lot of credit for the song's lasting popularity. The original title concept for the album and its accompanying film was Get Back signaling a return to the Beatles' early roots when they recorded songs as a band with little or no overdubbing. But soon the band and producers found themselves recording additional instrumental and vocal overdubs. <gasps> you bounder, you cheat! So that project title was scrapped and the emotive power of Let It Be won out. As for the song, the chorus is essentially those three words, Let It Be, punctuated with a short alternating line to keep it fresh and to reinforce layers of meaning with each hypnotic repetition. While the casual listener won't think twice about the title, I believe this flexibility of meaning works on a subconscious level. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. By examining three possible translations for the words let it be, we can appreciate how they offer a variety of ways to connect with masses of listeners 
who identify with one or more of these three perspectives. For the purposes of our analysis, we'll call them closure, hope, and spirituality. Closure, to let go of something, to leave well enough alone, or to put something behind us. The idea of closure definitely suits the Beatles' swan song album and the accompanying 1970 documentary as an appeal to a legion of heartbroken fans to accept the bitter disappointment of their beloved band's disintegration. And just as a eulogy can provide solace for the mourners at a funeral, the refrain of Let It Be may have helped some Beatle followers cushion that blow of dissolution. Hope. To let something become. To let it be. Or to let it happen. The emphasis here is on avoiding interference so that a thing can continue to exist, grow, or thrive. While this idea is relatable outside the context of the Beatles, it could also apply to the seemingly endless legacy of the band. Let it be forever without end. Thanks to the periodic release of greatest hits packages, remasters, remixes, and anthology set, the band's reputation and influence have strengthened over the decades. Spirituality An emotional plea with religious roots about overcoming adversity and finding answers to difficult situations. In this light, let it be can be interpreted as a religious interjection or response, much like glory be, hallelujah, or amen. In fact, the age-old expression of glory be may have subconsciously paved the way for our natural acceptance of let it be as a song title, since the two phrases sound so similar. Within a spiritual context, let it be is soulful pop music Moonlighting as Gospel Music, ministered by Preacher Paul. McCartney stated in a 2018 interview that he wrote Let It Be after a dream visitation from his late mother. Paul has lost his mom when he was only 14 years old, and in the dream, she was there to reassure him that everything was going to be okay, just let it be. In his very first line of the song, he sings, When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. On the one hand, that sounds like a literal reading of Paul's origin story. But for many listeners, Mother Mary is more likely to evoke the Holy Mary, Mother of Jesus. Undoubtedly, Paul was aware of this character double entendre, as evidenced in the song's deliberately hymnal qualities. You can hear it in the musical arrangement, which includes a Hammond L100 organ played by Billy Preston, and in the sermon-friendly taglines, speaking words of wisdom, whisper words of wisdom, and there will be an answer. Speaking of spirituality, in the last verse, when Paul sings, I wake up to the sound of music, it's not likely he's talking about a clock radio. Still, the narrative could be taken literally, as in someone playing music in another room, or maybe they're watching The Sound of Music, 1965, on TV, or listening to its soundtrack. But more likely, the protagonist is singing about a spiritual awakening or a personal enlightenment. Whenever I hear a lyric line that could mean multiple things, I like to imagine that the songwriter came up with the most straightforward idea first, possibly because he or she liked the way it sang, and then realized the possibilities for deeper meaning, as good songwriters often do. These three interpretations, closure, hope, and spirituality, Make Let It Be a universally relatable song title, attracting listeners with different perspectives and inviting them to attach their own personal meanings. For songwriters who seek broad acceptance for their music, 
A title like Let It Be demonstrates the power of versatile meaning. Okay, let's track it. Structure. The scheme is comprised of just three song sections. One, verse, which is also the intro. Two, chorus. And three, interlude, which also works as the outro. The verses appear in groups of two. The solo section is the same as a double verse. The interlude, or outro, is a keyboard break, which appears twice after the second set of choruses and once at the end of the song. Intro. The song's introduction features a solo McCartney playing a Bluthner Model 1 Concert Grand Piano, his right hand playing block chords on downbeats. With his left hand, he plays root notes on downbeats as well as lighter hits on the upbeats. For his fourth and fifth chords, Paul plays a four major seven chord, which is F major seven, followed by a four six chord, F six. Whenever I hear someone cover the song faithfully and they leave that out, it feels like something important is missing. Verse. Paul opens his verses by vocalizing across a pentatonic scale in the key of C major. As he approaches the title line, he rises once again and then resolves downward with a quick series of suspensions. In just a few short lines, we've already heard something special. Chorus After another section of verse, he begins the chorus by returning to that pentatonic scale, climbing to an even higher note, an A. Then, recognizing that his title line melody is one of the strongest, most original, and ear-catching parts of the song, Paul wisely makes it a callback in the choruses as well. The chorus covers a span of nine scale tones. That's a lot of musical ground. He begins on E, slowly moves down to C, then rises up to an A, then spins down to a G below tonic, before jumping up a sixth to the E where he started. There's a lot of movement, but it's still easy to remember and sing. These are the signs of a memorable melody. Interlude, outro. A good way to explain the familiar allure of the interlude chord progression is to have you listen to the ending of a George Harrison song called Piggies from The Beatles, a.k.a. The White Album. Piggies concludes with a tag ending, culminating in a grandiose amen suspension and resolution. Music theory aside, if you'll listen to it, you'll probably recognize the chord changes, which you may associate with an amen, as it might be sung in church. Let It Be's majestic electric piano break, played in an overdub by Paul, is based on that Amen chord progression, but with four important twists. One, it starts with the Amen progression rather than ending on it. 
Two, instead of that single amen, it keeps descending downward, so it's like playing three amens in a row. Three, diatonic third above harmonies are added to the descending notes. So now, instead of F, E, D, E, we have F, E, D, C, with white key thirds above. Notice that because of the added thirds, the amen notes are still in there. 4. One of the best parts of that progression is this fifth chord, immediately after the opening amen suspension. The B-flat chord, a chord built on the flatted seventh note of the scale, is the only non-diatonic chord in the bunch. With these simple changes, the inventive motif delivers the gravitas of the amen suspension in a way that sounds fresh and not appropriated. Try playing nine descending scale tones, starting on an F, like this. Now add a white key third above each note. Something's missing, right? Now change the B to a B-flat, keeping all white key thirds above it. There's the magic. The keyboard break really takes wing when it repeats a second time as the other instruments make way for Billy Preston's angelic organ. During this drastic change of timbre, he inverts the chords for an uplifting and emotional impact as we segue into the guitar solo with some bluesy gospel chords. Arrangement Drums Ringo's minimal foot-closed hi-hat enters quietly with the second verse on beats two and four. Phil Spector added a nice delay to this on his album mix. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. For the choruses, Ringo uses syncopated pings on the cymbal bell to great effect, and a patterned tom part as opposed to tom fills to create excitement in the last few verses. And when the night is cloudy, there is still a light that shines on me. Shine until tomorrow, let it be. Ringo's time part reminds me of the one he played on the bridge to George Harrison's Something on the Abbey Road album. You're asking me, will my love Bass. Although John Lennon did record a six-string bass track with the band, producer George Martin asked Paul to record a new bass line afterward. 
Paul's bass enters unexpectedly, one note into the Amen chord sequence, which separates the second set of verses. Despite the fact that it joins the piano in mid-phrase, the late entrance feels right. Guitar George Harrison's guitar solo on the Let It Be single and on the Naked and Number One albums is the most pedestrian contribution to the song. Despite a cool guitar sound having been run through a rotating Leslie speaker, the take is meandering and uninspired. Luckily, the gutsier solo which was recorded for the original album in a later take is great, especially on the high A note, where the solo peaks. This is also McCartney's highest sung vocal note, the sixth of the scale. And if you listen carefully, you'll hear that George's earlier solo is mixed beneath it in a supporting layer, making it much more effective. The beefy riff before I wake up to the sound of music is another high point. Shine until tomorrow, let it be. I wake up to the sound of music, Mother Mary comes to me. And the guitar fills over the last choruses are also nice. Brass. A brass section, two trombones, two trumpets, and a tenor sax plays a descending scale in harmony with the bass line during the later choruses. When the horns hold the seven of the scale, B, there's a pleasant tension with the tonic note, C, which is played against it. Vocals Filling out the sustained horn and organ parts on the original album recording are some possibly inaudible cellos, as well as some high oo backing vocals sung by John and George and bolstered with overdubs by George, together with Paul and Linda McCartney. According to Beatles authority Mark Lewison, this is Linda's first and only music performance on a Beatles recording. Making it look easy. Paul McCartney enthusiasts tend to fawn over his reputation for a swift and effortless writing process. But once you dig into the Beatles' archives and books about the minutiae of their recording sessions, you'll find that quite a bit of thought, rewriting, experimentation, arranging, producing ideas, collaboration, and multiple recorded takes helped craft some of Paul's best music, too. McCartney's melodic mastery has been demonstrated time and time again, not only in his vocal melodies, but also in his guitar parts and bass lines. The man certainly has an ear for what people want to hear. And in the end, aren't musical instincts really just harmonic empathy? Let it be. I think that was rather grand. I'd take one home with me.
You've been listening to Songwriter Stories, Episode 26, Let It Be. There's more to this podcast than just the interview. For bonus content, visit songwriterstories.com and click on the link for this episode. If you like the show, consider reviewing us wherever you podcast. Your positive review will help other listeners find our show. That's all for now. I'm Dave Caruso, and I'll see you next time.